This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode of Return to Tradition was brought to you by the Saint Maker Catholic Life Planner Toolkit, a resource using Catholic wisdom and modern science to help you achieve that sanctity God is calling you to. Thousands of Catholics are on the Saint Maker journey, and you can join them with a 90-day risk-free trial offer backed with a 100% refund guarantee. Go to www.thesaintmaker.com forward slash return to tradition to learn more and use promo code return to tradition to save 10%. I don't usually put up a second news video in a day, especially on a weekday, but it really can't be helped. Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church has been up to his usual dirty tricks, this time trying to reframe one of the most wicked prelates of the post-conciliar era as a friend and mentor, while overtly downplaying his sins that led him to his fall from grace during the John Paul II era of the church. This was actually kind of weirdly entertaining to see happen in real time, which is why I'm bringing it to your attention now. Martin likes to reserve his absolutely worst opinions for two places, conferences and Twitter, both places being known for not having that many people on them to begin with. I'll go over that today because, frankly, his wickedness knows no bounds, and also, weirdly, I need a feel-good story today, and watching James Martin get hammered on Twitter for a really profoundly bad take kind of made my day. Let's start with the underlying story here. Archbishop Weakland has gone to his particular judgment before our blessed Lord. And instead of cheering for this, because that is not how I do things, I am going to ask that you pray that he had the grace of final repentance and that our Lord will have mercy on his soul. We're called to pray even for the conversion of the most wicked. We are told to pray for our enemies. And Archbishop Weakland was guilty of some of the most heinous deeds in the church in that era. I won't make any claims about where he is now, but the church teaches that for us it is a great act of charity to pray for the conversion of those who are most wicked, of those we dislike the most. And I'll leave it at that. Archbishop Weakland was known as having tried to pay off a seminarian whom he had had an illicit romance with, as well as trying to hide the various Ted McCarrick-type problems in his dioceses and beyond at the same time period that McCarrick was running around. It's worth noting that Weakland is one of the secondary villainous characters in Father Malachi Martin's no uh, infamous novel, Windswept House, and is described by Malachi Martin as a servant of Satan in that book. I'll leave the veracity of that charge up to you to decide. That's all important to note here because of the actions that had been taken by the archdiocese he had run until his fall from grace 20 years ago. From the an article from the local Fox affiliate out of Milwaukee, quote, Weakland's name and the name of former Archbishop William Cousins were removed from buildings in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee in 2019 as part of the Catholic Church's continuing response to the Ted McCarrick rampant problem in the church. And mostly, quote, Weakland's name was often synonymous with the Episcopal side of that problem, including the moving around of priests involved and his own personal dalliances with the uh, we'll call them James Martin sins that were inseparably connected to the larger problem. And I could go on and on. 
I'm, you know, while I will tell you what he's been accused of doing, I will not litigate against him. I hope he repented and died in a state of grace, since our Lord can forgive anyone who seeks forgiveness and earnestly repents, even of the most wicked deeds imaginable. Our Lord's mercy is truly greater than ours. And I'm kind of counting on his mercy for the, uh, in that way for myself. Anyway, despite that, Weakland's track record does speak for itself, which is why it's curious that there's a move to rehabilitate Weakland. That same article notes Weakland's role after and during the Second Vatican non-binding pastoral council. As it turns out, Weakland was one of the men who helped lay the groundwork for the Novus Ordo Mass. Quoting that article, Born April, 20, April 2nd, 1927 in Patton, Pennsylvania, Weakland entered the novitiate of St. Vincent Archabbey in Latrobe, Pennsylvania in 1945. He was ordained to the priesthood in 1951 at Subiaco, Italy. In 1964, he received a papal appointment as consultor to the Commission for Implementing the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy of the Second Vatican Council and was appointed a member of that commission in 1968, end quote. His involvement in the development of the new Mass is undeniable and helps explain the ambiguity of both Sacrosanctum Concilium and of the initial orders of the Mass that were issued. And it also under, undermines any claims that the Council didn't intend for the Novus Ordo to be what we got when the document was issued since he was involved in it. He was a passionate champion of the Reformed liturgy. But his attempts to rehabilitate his image don't really end there. Archbishop Listecki of Milwaukee issued this statement, quote, for a quarter of a century, Archbishop Weakland led the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and his leadership embodied his Benedictine spirit. His pastoral letter, Eucharist Without Walls, evoked his love for the Eucharist and its call for to service. During his time, he emphasized an openness to the implementation of the teachings of the Second Vatican Council, including the role of lay men and women in the church, the celebration of the sacred liturgy, ecumenical dialogue, and addressing societal issues, especially economic justice. May he now rest in peace, end quote. None of that is really a ringing endorsement for me, but you can see that the modernists are trying to make him into a hero of the post-conciliar era. And that is why what Father James Martin had to say on Twitter makes sense, even if it's beyond twisted. Quoting from his Twitter account, quote, Archbishop Rembert Weakland has died. An erudite scholar, gifted pastor, and Benedictine abbot primate, his legacy was marred by revelations that he paid money to a man with whom he had been in a relationship. I considered him a friend and mourn his loss. May he rest in peace. End quote. Yeah, that's a bad take and really downplays what we're talking about. Look, everyone, including Weakland's allies, know that Weakland had a terrible reputation, that he was involved in terrible things, and that he had to resign in disgrace. Look, I, I do get standing by a friend, and that is certainly laudable. But there's a limit to that. A simple tweet calling for people to pray for the repose of the soul of a man who he could have described as having a more being more complicated than his public reputation would speak to probably would have been okay. Jimmy Martin would have gotten pushback for that, but nothing like what we saw. To put it mildly, Father Martin got ratioed. For those not familiar with what so that social media term, it basically means that the negative responses far, far outweigh the positive metrics. It looks different on each social media platform, and on Twitter, it usually means that the responses outweigh the likes and retweets, especially when you read the responses. And this image kind of captures this. The time it was taken, it shows roughly a 10 to 1 ratio or 11 to 1 ratio of responses to, uh, to likes or retweets. And I've seen worse, but not many. Does that mean much in the grand scheme of things? Not really, but 
these responses came from across the spectrum of Catholic Twitter, which is a very divided place. Pastor Jimmy Martin united Catholic Twitter around his monumentally bad take, and for that I thank him. A place gets taxing to be on. Now, it does take a lot to get your name removed from Catholic buildings, especially if you are a figure as influential as Wigglund was. I've only seen it elsewhere, really, with McCarrick and Cardinal Whirl, although I know there are other examples. And this begs the question, why would Pastor Jimmy publicly go to bat for him? I saw him on Twitter arguing with normal run-of-the-mill Catholics, which he often refrains from doing. But in this case, his responses were variations of, are you friends with people who commit sins? Which is a response that kind of misses the point. Yes, we're all friends with sinners. We're all sinners. But what Weakland did was not the same that most of us go to confession for. His sins were extremely public, with wide-ranging consequences for the church. Sins against the liturgy. Sins involving not only those that cry out to heaven for justice and millstones promised by our Lord, but then hiding the sins of others because they would cause problems for the men living the James Martin life in the clergy. The church suffers today still because of the things that Rembrandt Weakland did. Pray for his final repentance. Pray for mercy for our Lord. But let's not lionize the man. Maybe I'm off base here. But did I get some reassurances when Martin got the pushback he did? Absolutely. It means that there is still some sense in the Catholic world and that most of us can be united against this kind of rampant sin. But again, maybe I'm wrong. Let me know if you think I'm wrong in the comments or what you think about this. Please like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. Share this on social media if you can. It helps a lot as well. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.